Welcome to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations, a podcast exploring the cool Christian girl's guide to living in America. I'm your girl, April Davenport. I'll reveal to you a little personal testimony while merging ministry, education, and real life. We will also discuss current events with relevant figures of our time. It is the perfect blend of headline news, black girl magic, and of course, Jesus juice. Come with me on a journey you won't soon forget. So stay tuned, don't change the channel, and let's take a ride. Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. I'm your host, April Davenport. Wow, what can I say? I am still on cloud nine from our podcast live last week as you helped me to celebrate my birthday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so excited for all of you who were able to share with me live. I'm so excited for all of you who were there streaming and for those of you who went back and watched it. I am still on cloud nine. I'm so thankful to God for being able to celebrate my 40th fresh start and who knows what the year will hold, but I will echo the sentiments of the podcast live. The best is truly yet to come, not just for me, but for all of you out there. So have a fresh start, not just today, but every single day that you wake up and always remember that the best is yet to come. Today, I'm so excited to have with me on the podcast, one of my friends, Dr. Kenyatta Stevens, as we discuss Free Your Body, Understanding Public Health in the Black Community. We know that there is so much conversation surrounding public health. And so we want to make sure that you are armed with all of the proper information so that you can make the best decisions regarding not only your personal health, but those uh, regarding public health in not only your family and but in the greater community. So Dr. Kenyatta Stevens, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, April. It is such an honor to sit before you and just to be able to discuss with your audience everything public health. So I appreciate you coming on. So um, why don't you tell the people exactly what it is you do, what um, you study, and um, exactly explain your title and how you got into public health. Okay, so I am currently an infectious disease epidemiologist by training. Um, I do have previous experience in molecular biology and molecular genetics. I did research at Emory School of Medicine for about eight years before transitioning into public health. And I have been in the public health space now for about 15 years. And I started out um, working in the lab, doing research, um, met an epidemiologist growing up um, in Decatur, Eastside. <laughs> I, I had never heard of an epidemiologist and public health, you know, really just in our community wasn't really a thing. It was teachers, lawyers, doctors, you know, pharmacists, things like that, but nothing really in public health during the time that I grew up. And so um, got at Emory working there, started doing cervical and breast cancer research. And with that, um, many of you know, there's an HPV vaccine out. So started working um, with some clinical trials with the HPV vaccine. And that's how I got really introduced to the world of public health, met some epidemiologists and I was like, hey, I think I can do this. And also, you know, a lot of them didn't look 
like me, but they were in our community. So I was like, well, you know, this needs to change because there was like that hesitancy with some of the teens with, you know, opening up and talking to them because they didn't look like them. So um, working at Emory, they were like, okay, well, you know, you can go to school. So I started um, in their master's of public health program. And then I transitioned um, to the PhD program. Didn't finish there because um, I started actually working at um, the CDC. So I moved to an online program and, and did a PhD in epidemiology. And so um, now you're wondering like, okay, so what does an epidemiologist do? Okay. So I always say, because I talk to a lot of students and, and especially like my family, my, um, my older aunts and uncles, they're like, so what is it that you do? So <laughs> like, um, and so it's like a disease detective. So because I've traveled um, the world setting up disease surveillance systems in developing countries, and um, I've worked several outbreaks like um, Ebola, I've worked uh, on it's like MERS, Middle East um, Respiratory Syndrome. Um, so I spent some time in all of those countries that end and stand. And so um, it's, it has been an eye-opening experience um, work going to villages in Africa and even just being a Christian woman and having to go to places where they don't recognize Christianity. So that has been a challenge. And um, well, it was a challenge because I don't really um, travel globally anymore, not for work anyway. And so, yeah, I have been um, cursed by witch doctors, <laughs> uh, wow, <laughs> all kind of stuff. People throwing rocks at you, and so I got that questions from like my colleagues, and they're like, "Well, why aren't you scared or whatever?" And just to bring like the Christian perspective, I was like, "I don't, I don't." fear anything that God created. So mm -hmm. a rock can't curse me because <laughs> it's not, it's not human. You know, right. it's, it has no life. And so those are the type of types of things that you really have to take with you when you're out in the field and doing this kind of work. And so, um, so for example, if there, I think the first outbreak that I, I worked was at Whitewater. And for those of you who are in Atlanta, you know what that is. <laughs> so um, we got called because there were some people that were um, that were getting sick. So we had to trace it back to the source, which we realized was some some kids who had basically pooped in the pool and gave everybody E. coli um, wow. <laughs> infection. So it's just like that where you know there's a sickness going on, you don't know what caused it. So you have to go in and investigate, ask questions, know what the signs and symptoms are of different diseases and um, just kind of go back. So that's why I said it's like being a disease detective. Wow, I like the way that you explained that. And I think that really helps to give people some kind of basis and grounding um, because you know, many people think that, uh, you know, with the outbreak of COVID and you know we'll get to that in a moment that public health and um, epidemiology uh, vaccinations that many of these things kind of just took place but um, as you you know definitely explained um, you know of course science has been around right um, epidemiology has been around the study of disease and infectious diseases has been around so this is nothing new um, but of course this is just really it's coming to the forefront for a lot of people because people have really kind of ignored the subject of public health 
Um, so why would you say that it's very important for people to be educated about the subject of public health, not just for their own personal health, but for the greater good? Um, April, that's really a good question. And um, I have been since the pandemic started because black people were like, this is a shock. You know, this is something that we weren't prepared for, but this is not even our first um, pandemic. Right. Because we've had the swine flu, um, Zika, those were pandemics. They just didn't affect our society as, you know, worse as, um, as bad as COVID has been wreaking havoc. And so basically public health is the pulse of the community. And mm -hmm. we have put, especially in the black community, we put so much emphasis on um, medical doctors and medicine. And we think that's where um, our health lies and it doesn't. So public health is about intervention and it's about prevention. So we go out and we find, we find out what's going on in the community and we try to prevent it from happening we try to intervene to keep diseases from spreading, whereas medical or clinical health is basically just treating. Mm. So after you've gotten sick, they're just treating. They're not going back out into the community with interventions or preventions. You get sick, you go to the doctors, they give you medicine for that, that illness at that time, but it, they're not tracing it back to your community to say like, hey, there is contaminated water or you know, there's lead or, or mold or something like that. So that's where public health um, comes into play. And when I say it's the, it's the pulse of the community in terms of the health status of the people in your community. So that's definitely one reason why it's very important. Would you say then that there is a disconnect between public health and private medicine? Are the two not functioning together in order to um, make sure that the community is uh, beating well, if you want to say that public health is the pulse, um, then you want to make sure then that the if it's the body, right, if the greater body needs to function well, would you say that, that there's a divide between, and we know that some of that divide is economics, right, is money. Yes. Um, there, there's a divide there. Um, but would you say that there's a divide even in intention, um, maybe? It's, it's, April, it's, it's very broad because we all know that there's like a crisis with um, um, maternal um, morbidity and childhood mortality when it comes to even just giving birth for Black women. And right. it's because there's a lack of understanding of culture. And so um, even with just regular treating of people, like I have um, a colleague that does medical transcription for doctors and they're sitting there and they're listening to the conversation between the doctor and the patient. And if, you know, there are certain colloquialisms and just, you know, certain vernacular that's specific right. to the black community, that the average doctor wouldn't know. So when a patient is describing what happened or what's going on, the doctor, there's a, a, a very broad disconnect. And so um, even in that space, so, and because of that now, she's pursuing a public health degree because she says that there needs to be something that binds the two worlds together because there is a divide right now. And, um, and not just with health, it, even with just um, treatments mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, 
with the opioid epidemic where it, that plagued the black community forever, but it wasn't until, you know, um, housewives of right. other persuasion started having issues with it. Um, it be, and then that's when it became an epidemic. But when it plagued the black community, it was just, oh, there, there's nothing wrong. You know, they were with, withholding medications. It's just, it, it's, it has deep roots into a lot of um, the socioeconomic disparities that's really running deep within the black community veins. So, so how do you think, what do you think is, um, I mean, obviously there's no one answer, there's no solid answer, but how do you think um, you begin to remedy that uh, those issues and not even with between the, the structural systems, um, but even just with the community, how do you begin to disperse the knowledge that public health is so important? Because what's happening in our school systems, right, with our children, how do we begin to raise up children that are more knowledgeable about public health, that understand even epidemiology so they're not like getting to college and having to wait to see someone like you to understand that you know one this is a field of study um that you know this is a possibility for something that you to go in because i tell my students all the time you know like there are definitely more than five careers right there are a thousand right. careers that you can go in yes. um with you know public health certainly being one one of those fields but so what would you suggest as something you know maybe one or two remedies that we can go into to, to help educate our people more about the field of public health? Just letting their, them know that there's something other than STEM. So we need to really start um, introducing public health in, into the school system as early as um, elementary school. When you think about water supply, like how are you getting your water? What happens when water is contaminated? Um, I'm working with a group now that's um, creating kits to give to students to test their water at home and then they can send it in and then that way you're still collecting that information and, and you know if you don't have good water which we've seen in, in other countries because that's what in America we always say oh it's the other countries and their public health and we and they need our help no it's the same right here <laughs> on on our our soil because we think about Flint Flint still doesn't have clean water right Exactly. That's sad. So, you know, and it's not just Flint. It's some, it's some of the poor um, states like um, Mississippi, where um, they have contaminated water supplies because of the rivers and how all of that interconnects and just start, start early teaching our children about what health is. Mm. And it's more than just going to the doctor for a checkup, you know, and just to throw that there's like mental health, emotional health, start teaching about financial health. It's just so many parts that go into your health other than going to the doctor. And I right. think that hasn't been stressed enough in our community. I agree. Um, so then, you know, okay, so we have these uh, three words, um, COVID-19, pandemic, virus right we know these words are forever etched into our history into our memory banks it's like you know you can't even make it through the day without hearing these words um and for some people they you know you're cringing when you hear these words depending upon what your experience has been with them right if you've lost someone if you if you've suffered with the disease um so 
why do you believe, um, you know, you've obviously mentioned some of these reasons, but why do you believe that our community was especially affected um, by the pandemic? And um, that's one question. And then the next question is, what do you think we can do to lessen the effects of, I mean, hopefully in our lifetime, we won't ever experience anything like this again. But we, what we do know is that we're technically still in this pandemic, right? It's not like it's over. Um, so how can we begin to try to lessen the effects of the pandemic? Those are really good questions. So um, the reason why our community, black and brown communities especially were affected is because we didn't have optimal health going into, into um, the pandemic. So we there was already like a, a lack of access to adequate care, um, just um, disproportionate um, healthcare, um, lack of resources that had already plagued our communities in the beginning. So you had communities where high blood pressure was pretty much common or heart disease or diabetes, we know. Um, our kids, like our, you know, we have the highest numbers for type one diabetes. And so with that, when COVID came, because your body has to be at optimal health to fight COVID. Right. And, and that's why so many people, once they get it, they're, they're, they're succumbing to it um, rather quickly. It, it's, it's aggressive. It attacks pretty much every organ now, multiple organ systems. And so if you are not at optimal health, um, you will have adverse, you know, reactions to COVID. And, and that's, putting it like politely, if you will. Right. So um, like I shared with my family and thank God no one, you know, in my immediate family has been plagued by COVID. Um, I, I immediately told them these are this, these are some things you need to do. Like you need to walk every day, increase mm -hmm. your lung capacity, increase mm -hmm. your vitamin D. Um, black people naturally um, have vitamin D deficiencies. 85% of the uh, patients that died um, when they were autopsied had a vitamin D deficiency. Wow. So those are the things, but they're not being shared in our community. Wow. That, that type of knowledge. So every platform that I've had um, the opportunity to be on, that's the one thing. You have to make sure you're getting your vitamin D, um, zinc. And of course, you can always go to your doctor and get your levels checked, but it doesn't, it won't hurt you to take an over-the-counter supplement. Okay. Okay. Um, and, um, and just exercising. We all had a lot of downtime at the beginning. Some people gained the COVID-19 <laughs> mm -hmm. and more. <laughs> so, um, but you know, you have to get to a place of optimal health and that for the black community has been our challenge because we don't even know what that looks like anymore. And it's, and it's different, um, for each individual, but right now the best thing that you can do for yourself it uh, during this pandemic and to just to be able to fight off covid if you know by some bad chance that you are exposed to it is to have your body at optimal health so that when you're exposed you can fight it and that's why you see like the differences some people get a mild form they may right. only lose um their sense of taste or their their smell Others are, you know, it's more aggressive where they're having to go to the hospital and get oxygen, especially if, you know, another thing that I forgot to mention, asthma. 
if you have asthma or any type of respiratory disease, it's going to be harder for you because we all know when COVID was first introduced um, to the U.S., it was basically attacking our, our respiratory system or our lungs. Mm -hmm. So think about asthma with Black community and with our kids. It is like it's like we had red dots on us, like the as a target. So right. um, we really have to um, make sure that we are doing some type of activity just for to increase our lung capacity and that's number one right i think that um i think that's you know some things you mentioned are uh very accurate because many people don't know what's happening inside of their bodies um i think that you know you have a lot of people in our community who um don't make it a priority to stay on top of their own health um they don't maybe, you know, get regular exams, physical examinations. They don't go to the doctor regularly. Um, and even still uh, being in tune with your own body is uh, one thing. Um, and, you know, you mentioned about the lung capacity. I think that's very, very important. Um, and I know, you know, uh, one person who um, in my family was very close, you know, she really, really got sick and, um, and you know it's still having some adverse effects because of it and the lung capacity is why you know because she was really having a lot of difficulty breathing it and still is um and her doctor mentioned her about the walking and trying to really strengthen her lungs um and that's something that you know like you can't just look at yourself in the mirror and see what your lung capacity <laughs> is you know um but i i definitely agree with that um and so now you know obviously we have the vaccinations out um and so it's like now we're fighting another battle because we're trying to uh, educate our people about um, the pandemic and the virus and public health. And then now we're also trying to educate our people about vaccinations. Um, and so, you know, it's like there's constant battles happening in our community. Um, and some of it is because I think there's so much misinformation oh out God. there. Um, and, you know, it, it's like we don't hold on to the good information. We hold on to the misinformation and we will ride that for so very long. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> and so it's frustrating because what happens is that we have this misinformation and then, you know, people make decisions based off of misinformation. Um, and some of those decisions can be very costly. Um, so, you know, before we get into the specifics of the COVID-19 vaccine, just let's talk about vaccinations, period. All right. Um, and, you know, just help our people understand what a vaccination is and what it does and how it can benefit, um, you know, our community, public health and how it can benefit, especially in this case. OK, so um, we've all been vaccinated because now, you know, your kids can't go to school unless they have like their their shots or mm -hmm. those are vaccines. And so or and so there was also just some confusion between immunizations and vaccines because people didn't realize they were essentially the same right so even just the language of public health has been an issue in our community because you can stand before them or you can they can go and sit in front of someone and they can have these conversations but unless they understand the vocabulary and, and actually what's being said then there is another disconnect there right. so um immunizations vaccines basically the same thing so um, vaccinations work by introducing um, a part of the virus 
into your body so that your immune system can recognize it and create antibodies to fight it if it's ever seen again. So that's my simple explanation because when, you know, I've seen people talking about, you know, the T cell, the B cell, people, they don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, some vaccines give you inactivated forms of the virus. Um, there are certain flu shots that do that. So, um, so that, because that's the only way that your body is able to recognize it. And so it's not a, an active, except one year when they, a couple of years ago, when they put the flu um, vaccine out, they forgot to kill some of the, the virus and some of the bacteria. It was dormant, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will it's say science. that. So. It's not God, it is science. <laughs> it's science. So yeah, so essentially that's what it is. So it's, it's almost like, you know, once you learn how, when something smells bad, you, you're training your body to say, okay, if I open this milk, I know what spoiled milk smells right. like. And so essentially that's kind of what an immune response is training your body to recognize bad things or specific viruses and then create an immune response. Okay. I like that simplified version. I think that <laughs> people can understand. Yeah. <laughs> and, I always, and, and that's my other disclaimer, April. I was like, if someone is sitting before you and they can't explain something to you where they're supposed to be a subject matter expert in terms that you can't understand, then run because something's there, something's wrong. Okay. I like that. So. Yeah. And I think that's, I, I think that's what the issue is that, you know, you have so many people who are looking for an explanation when they already don't, you know, when there's already mistrust, Mm -hmm. You need to be able to create trust. And the best way that you can do that is with understanding. And so, you know, you have so many people who, who may or may not have the opportunity as of right now, but the people who do have an opportunity, you definitely want them to be able to have as much education as possible to make a sound decision. And what you don't want people to do is to make uh, decisions based on misinformation and wrong information. Um, and so, you know, another thing that we hear so much in our community is, you know, people quoting the Tuskegee experiment, the Tuskegee experiment. Um, and so let's talk about the, it's Black History Month, let's talk about the Tuskegee experiment. Um, and so tell our people, what, what is, since you explained the other, the vaccination in such a simplified uh, way, just explain what the Tuskegee experiment is and why it is different from getting a vaccination for yes. COVID-19. Yes, so, and it's funny, because April, I'm also um, an adjunct professor of public health. I teach in a master's in public health programs at two universities. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that my students, because the majority of them are not minorities, that they okay. needed to under know and understand. Some of them didn't even bother <laughs> about completing it. Um, <laughs> but that's another story. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah, so the Tuskegee, um experiment started like right after the great depression like it was 1930 like 1930 31 around there and so basically um some researchers um got together and they wanted to do an experiment just to see um how syphilis mm -hmm. um essentially um ravaged the body because you know with syphilis you can get blindness you essentially die so um, they found, um, and it was done at Tuskegee University. So for those, <laughs> which is right. a HBCU, so, right. you know, let's not just blame. Right. One, okay. Exactly. exactly. And so, um, so they recruited these men and told them that they would get like burial plots, 
and um and like these other things because keep in mind great depression and they're already minorities in the time and so what they did not tell them is that they were going to be um basically followed for i think it was supposed to be for like uh four months ended up being some years right and even after penicillin came out and um as a treatment they still didn't treat them so yes. they didn't give the men syphilis they had it already right. they already had syphilis what they did was not give them in basically informed consent mm -hmm. about the true nature of um what they were studying and that you know there were serious outcomes um as a result of not receiving treatment right right so totally different totally different so that's the, the simplified version without getting into it because the misconception in the black community is that oh they gave the black men syphilis no that the, the, the right. black men already had syphilis people so right. Right. what they did the unethical part was that they basically didn't tell them their true intent for the study and they um did not treat them when treatment was available so right. that, that yeah totally different from receiving a vaccine, vaccine <laughs> for a virus yes absolutely totally different <laughs> that has already killed 400,000 people. Yes. Totally different. And so we, we want our people to be educated Absolutely. Um, with accurate information so that they can make sound decisions and proper decisions. Um, you know, based on your research, based on your years of experience, do you see an end in sight this year? Um, and I don't, I won't say an end end because we know, um, you know, with something like this, especially as catastrophic as this has been, um, yeah. this will take some time, but do you see a horizon on insight, uh, this year? Honestly, um, it's, it's two part. So I did. So last year when I was telling people, like I had started saying like, y'all, if we don't do X, Y, Z we're not gonna have a summer when, and people were looking at me strange and all kinds of stuff when I'm like on these platforms. And so here we are, now it's 2021, we're still in the same situation. So um, if you had asked me this, like maybe November, I would have said, yeah, by summer 2021, we will be in a, a better place. But now that we have all of these variants mm -hmm. and um, unfortunately some of the vaccines aren't effective, um, against these variants. So that may push us um, back some months, like maybe the end of the year, beginning of 2022. Um, um, as far as like seeing, like starting to navigate in a, you know, not a less stressful environment when it comes to um, spreading the virus, because um, we know that the UK strain is it's more virulent, um, which and that means that um, it's e more easily transmissible. Right. So whereas the original COVID-19, um, it was like maybe one person could infect up, um, up one person um, out of eight people, one person will be infected. But with this out of it's one out of five. So if you are in a in a space and it's five people, at least one person has COVID. They're either asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. Mm -hmm. And so that's just what that means. And I mean, and that's the reality of the situation and people are, are have COVID fatigue. 
Um, there's also the misconception that once you get vaccinated that you can't get COVID and that's not true. You can be vaccinated and still get COVID. The COVID vaccines are um, only for you to protect you. So if you are exposed to COVID and you get COVID, you will have the milder, milder form of it. Right. So right. you won't have to be hospitalized. So that takes some of the stress off of our already like burdened um, healthcare system. Yeah. So if you get vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask. <laughs> you still have to social distance. And so um, it's no secret that there's a shortage of vaccines. There are supply chain issues. So um, for those who have been trying to get appointments, um, especially like um, the elderly population, just understand that it's not this, you know, it is a bad system they're working on like, and it's not just Georgia, it's, it's nationwide um, with people trying to get appointments to get vaccinated. And then of course you have um, a group that feels like they need to be vaccinated that don't fall in, fall in any of the categories that are currently being vaccinated just because of wealth. Right. So, um, and that has, you as know, always. <laughs> as always, and that has really um, created additional vaccine hesitancy and um, the black community and in the elderly population. So um, just understand that if, and, and my goal is not to persuade or dissuade you, but to give you the information so that you can make um, an educated or informed decision. And so if you know that you are not at optimal health and you have, you know, some of these pre-existing conditions like um, asthma or diabetes or, or heart disease or high blood pressure, and you're not one of those people that decided to take charge of your health and get out and walk, then, you know, you should definitely think about, like, do the pros and cons for being vaccinated. Mm -hmm. and, that's, and that's just the truth. And right. so um, it's not, I'm not trying to push anything. I don't have an agenda, but right. I want people to be well. And my goal is to make sure that our community receives the right information, um, that we are, we have sources of information. And I always say find your source of truth because mm -hmm. there are so many um, people out on social media, even the people on the news, y'all, that's scripted. A lot of that stuff, of stuff is and they have an agenda and they have an agenda and um but unfortunately those are some of the only sources that our community have um right. because they don't know where to go or who or who to talk to mm -hmm. and now what you're gonna find is that you have um i've encountered you know companies um non-minority companies that have gotten grants um COVID grants and they are trying to go into the community to do X, Y, Z with no experience. Right. So on the flip side of that April, so there, so we have, you know, members of our, of the black community that, you know, they're just the conspiracy theorists. They don't trust anything unless it comes, you know, from a black person. But then the flip side of that is that you have a group that don't believe anything black people say and they will take it from a non-black person. That's very true. That's very true. That's what I'm saying. We're fighting so many battles. Yeah, it's so <laughs> we're fighting so many battles. And and, and like you said, um, you know, where your priority is for people to just be well. I mean, and 
you know, and my goal is for people to, to be informed um, so that they can make the decision so they can be well. And I think, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, we're both, you know, wanting the same thing. Um, but I, I definitely think that we all have a responsibility. I mean, I think we have a responsibility in our own health. Um, and I think we have a responsibility for the greater good. Um, so what would you say is something that we all can do um, to ensure good public health for our community, not just in terms of the pandemic, because what we don't want to do is to come out of this and then discard public health. You know, I think that um, it's something that we all need to be conscious of even after one day when the, when the pandemic ends. Um, what responsibility do we have to make sure that public health is, stays at the forefront of our minds? Um, definitely ed educate our children so that if something like this happens in their lifetime, they'll be prepared. So it won't be another situation where our community is the most affected, but the last to get the information. And that's why I've been pushing since the pandemic started to get our communities like really just um, knowledgeable about what's going on, about what a vaccine is, about how, you know, COVID works and some of the things to look look out for. So um and just educating our children and talking about health y'all know like in the black community it's so many secrets some things you don't find out until somebody's sick or someone dies you know and you was like oh grandma had diabetes and she never told anybody so you know like growing up how you would have the family bible with all the births and all the deaths so start writing down health history yeah because so many people i know um, my friend was saying she took her mom and this wasn't even like COVID related. And so she went with her mom to a doctor's appointment and the doctor was like talking all this stuff. She was like, my mom doesn't have all of this. And they're looking at the record like, yeah, she's been treated for X, Y, Z. Wow. And you know, the mom just never told the family that she was suffering. And then, you know, black women matriarchs, we are um, naturally like silent sufferers. Mm -hmm. So talk about health in the family. Mm. So, and, and particularly when, um, like I grew up in a single parent household and I don't, I didn't know anything about my paternal side. So mm. when I go to the doctor and they're asking questions, I have a whole side of my medical history that is unknown to me. Right. So me, I'm like, treat me for everything, check for everything, whatever, <laughs> you know, cause I don't know. But if you if you do know make sure because a, a lot of times too when we're going to going to the doctor we pretty much only put down what we know on our maternal side true and i think we also accept what's yeah. told to us instead of um taking charge of our own bodies our own health and so i think that it's also one of the things you mentioned is you know i think you have to do your research i mean and and that doesn't mean just google whatever and accept what google says but you have to do your own research and you know um look for credible sources um and um, use your resources out here. People like you, uh, people, there are, I think there are, there are people like you and then there are so many other people like you who yeah. are in our communities, who have the knowledge. Um, and if we look hard enough, we definitely can find them. So. Absolutely. And always get a second opinion. You don't have to take the first thing that someone tells you. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many layers to our health. So, you know, just like um, a friend of mine, um, young guy he's like i keep getting shingles like this is he got shingles like um 
in January. And he was like, I got him last. So he got it last year the first time. And I was just like, well, that's uncommon. It's, it's becoming more common in young people wow. just because of stress, mm -hmm. the level of stress that they have. But um, I was like, I said, so what about your diet? I was like, you know, are you eating? Like, what are some things that you're doing around Christmas time that you haven't been doing before because your body is reacting? Wow. And so he was like, I gorge on seafood. Like he overindulges on seafood during Christmas. So last year was the first time he did it. January, he had a shingles um, outbreak. This Christmas, he did it. January, shingles outbreak. And I was like, okay, you need to increase this, decrease that because seafood, some of, you know, the minerals found in seafood actually will um, cause a shingles flare up. Oh man, I didn't. <laughs> he didn't either. And he was like, and I was like, well, what did your doctor say? He was like, well, my doctor, I just, he said, I went to the doctor and just told him I needed shingles medicine. And I was like, y'all didn't like try to investigate. Right. Because if you, particularly if you know you're not overly stressed or, you know, and you're relatively healthy. So yeah. our bodies are created to self heal, but our bodies also let us know when we, are indulging in things that we shouldn't too. Mm. That's good. I mean, and I think it brings back full circle something that you said at the very beginning in that uh, one that you were a disease uh, detective yes. and, um, and that, you know, public health um, is doing the prevention, is doing yes. the studying and that, you know, and not to say that there's nothing, that there's anything wrong with medicine. There's not, no, I'm not saying that no, at all, no, um, but you know, it's kind of like, there's one that's happening before trying to get it before the disease happens. And then medicine is having to kind of do the cleanup work after yes. the disease <laughs> happens. And so what we don't understand is that, you know, there's a lot of, um, there wouldn't be as much stress. There wouldn't be as much money if we could, stop things before the disease happens but you know once the disease happens you do have stress you have pain you have loss you have a lot of money on the backside that's involved in medicine both equally important i'm not saying that at all both you know medicine public health are equally important but we have begun in our society we live in a capitalist society um to put a lot of stress on medicine and i think that you know it's equally crucial and if the pandemic has taught us one thing for sure that we begin to put more emphasis on public health so that we rise it to the same um, status as medicine. Exactly. And April, every county has a community health needs assessment mm -hmm. where they've taken the information from um, hospitals and said, and you can go by zip code, by city or whatever, and they'll say, these are the health concerns for your community. Right. And that's a simple community health needs assessment in your city. That's a Google and it'll pop up. Okay. And sometimes, you know, during the pandemic, I doubt if they've like um, updated it because just yeah. because it's, it's crazy right now, but it tells you the health of your community. And mm -hmm. if there's something on there that you know that's plaguing your specific neighborhood or um, you know that there are certain people um, that at, in your church, in your community, that's suffering from something and it's on that list, you can go and say, okay, how much money has been allotted for this? Because right. they get money for that. Right. But if the black community, the black you know, neighborhoods in these cities don't go in to advocate and request that some of that money be, be allocated to their specific neighborhoods, 
then it goes to the people who 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 has the the knowledge. Wow, that's good information. And you know what else um, it makes me think about is that every county, um, every state, of course, has a um, a state health department. And I think one of the other things you know we we talked about um, needing to change the language. Um, <clears throat> there's such a misnomer that the health department is only for people who can't afford health care. Right. Um, but the health department is doing so much more yes. than just servicing people who don't have private health care. Um, so I just think, you know, there's so much conversation surrounding this topic. Um, so much conversation needing to go into, and so much education needing to go into public health. Um, so I got to have you back one, and then I can have um, Michelle on here Michelle too. Has the time. Yes, definitely Michelle uh, discuss more because our people really need to be educated and informed so that like you mentioned, um, we don't want a pandemic to happen again, but we don't know what is in the future. And what we definitely know is that we don't want um, our community, our people to be greatly affected more than any other community. Um, and so the best way we can do that is to have the education and the knowledge now so that we're already prepared for what is to come. Preparation, prevention. And yeah. that way, if something happens or if um like you know like i said this isn't the first pandemic and people are like oh you know this and i'm like but they've forgotten and that's because the president that we had during those times president obama had you know um because he understood that so he yeah. had and i actually worked on one of his task force for global mm -hmm. health securities so those things were already in place now they were dismantled later right so, which is why we're kind of in the state that we that we're in, but we are a mobile society now. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to see more and more disease that yeah. we haven't seen before. And that's just the, the fact of how, you know, yeah. life works. Right. And so we have to be prepared as a community, because if we don't take care of ourselves, no one else will. And that's why I'm out here talking and sharing and i'm thankful that you know you had me on just so because this is a, a different platform that i've you know been been on before mm -hmm. and you have a different audience and right. so hopefully someone can share or you know and just say hey this is did you know this or did you know, yeah. or, you know or these are the conversations because you know our community if it's not a barbershop we have to think about how information is dispersed yeah barbershops you know hair salons Sure. Yeah. And the more people that know, then the more people they can tell and the more people they can tell. And then hopefully, you know, we can touch as many people um, as possible. So we appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank we you. appreciate um, you taking the time out because we know that it's a busy time for people like you right now. Um, so we appreciate you taking the time out to come on Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. And again, um, we will definitely have you back. And um, we know that, you know, we're still in the height of this pandemic. So we are definitely praying for you, praying you. for your um, mental health, your emotional health, and your physical health. Um, and, and we hope that, you know, we all will be able to live to see the other side. Um, of and this and so my, my motto live to fight another day yeah it's, live to fight another day yeah fight another day
I agree with that. And um, as we said to our viewers, uh, we hope that, you know, even for you, that the best is definitely yet to come, but we appreciate the work that you're doing. And we appreciate that um, years ago that you saw a need and that you decided to uh, walk that path that may have been less traveled and that maybe some young person out there will see you and then decide that, hey, I should be an epidemiologist. And, um, yes. you know, <laughs> it sounds so wonderful. And then it's even great to see a Black epidemiologist. So kudos to you, Dr. Stevens. And thank you again for joining us on the show today. We appreciate you. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. We hope that you uh, learned something, that you will be better informed, better educated, and that you will indeed share this information with your family, with your community, so they too can be informed and educated because we want you to free your body. And we want you, as Dr. Steven said, to live to fight another day. So remember to catch us next time, same week, same time. But before you go, let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for the people in my army and thank you for Dr. Stevens. Help her to continue to fight the good fight of faith. Thanks so much for watching. See you next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to Confessions, Convictions, and Conversations. We are just getting started. So make sure to connect with me on social at AS Davenport and at Fresh Start Fridays. For more information on the podcast, please visit www.asdministries.org. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show and be a part of April's Army. Remember, any time is a good time to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, live by your own personal convictions, and it's always a great time to have a good conversation. I'm your girl, April Davenport. See you next time.